0: 19 Psalm 19. First 11 verses of this uh, psalm will be our text tonight. We were talking about in the adult class this morning, there can be a vast difference between knowing things about God and actually knowing God. Uh, Even we as Christians sometimes wonder is this providence or circumstance? I'm reminded of the lady that uh, left uh, the church building one night, and uh, she was about the last one to leave. She got out to her car and realized she had locked the keys in the car, and uh, so she was looking around, trying to find a way to get in her car. She finally found a coat hanger, and she said, "Uh, Lord, I, I know people have used coat hangers to get in their car, but I've never done it before. and please, I need some help. Well, she was working with her car, trying to get the the doors unlocked and wasn't having any luck, and just a few minutes, a young man drove up, and he stopped, and he said, "Uh, Ma'am, do you need some help? And she said, Well, yes, I've locked my keys in my car, and I can't get in. And he said, Oh, I can get in in just a few few seconds. And uh, so sure enough, in about 15 seconds, he had the car door open. And uh, she said, Oh, I sure do. Thank you, Sonny. And he said, Well, that's all right. He said, I was looking for a way to be a good Samaritan. He said, I just got out of prison and I'm trying to to make up for it. She said, what were you in prison for? He said, stealing cars. (laughs) She said, God, thank you, you sent me a professional. (laughs) So we don't really know whether that was a providence of God or uh, just happened to happen. But uh, I want us to look at the first 11 verses of Psalm 19 tonight. This is one of the more familiar of the Psalms, it describes for us the glory of God. The first six verses talks about the glory of God is reflected by the universe. In verses 7 through 10, the glory of God is revealed by His Word. And then in verse 11, it shows what happens when a servant of God acknowledges God's Word. Well, David begins his psalm by describing the glory of God as revealed by the universe. Psalm 19, verse 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. How can anyone go outside and look up into the sky, either in the daytime or at night, and not realize that there must be a God? There must be a creator. David wrote in Psalm 8, verses 3 and 4, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? When we take time to stare into the sky, to contemplate the vastness of this this universe, how insignificant we feel just one individual staring at all of these things that God has made. As mere men, if you look at all the vastness of the universe around us, how long would you think that it would take to make all of that? The sun, the moon, the stars, Clouds all of the things that we see around us. How long would it take to make that? And then to make everything work together and in, in working together in unity the way it does. We can't imagine anything like that. And yet, all God had to do was speak and it happened. Psalm 33 and verse 6 says, By the word of the Lord, The heavens were made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. All God had to do was to speak, and there it was. Please hold your place there in Psalm 19, and turn to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. Notice with me verses 22 through 26. Notice what Isaiah says about God. It is he who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. He brings the princes to nothing. He makes the judges of the earth useless. Scarcely shall they be planted, scarcely shall they be sown, scarcely shall their stock take root in the earth when he will also blow on them and they will wither in the whirlwind will take them away like stubble. To whom then will you liken me? Or to whom shall I be equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these things, who brings out their host by number. He calls them all by name, by the greatness of his might and the strength of his power. Not one is missing. Throughout all the centuries, man has tried to count the stars. Sometimes he thinks he's gotten to the sum of it. And it's not long until he learns there are more. And even still today, we're finding that there are still galaxies that we have not yet discovered. But although there are billions and billions and billions of stars, God calls them all by name, Isaiah 40 in verse 26. Isaiah tells us that by the greatness of God's might and the strength of His power, not one is missing. God knows every one of them, He calls them all by name. Can you look at the sky without recognizing God's handiwork? Paul writes in Romans 1 and verse 20, For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal purpose and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Who could possibly think that all this happened accidentally? As David said in our text, the firmament shows his handiwork. Turn back to Genesis chapter 1 and see some of the things that are said about God's handiwork. Genesis chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. Then God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it, di- and let it divide the waters from the waters. Thus God made the firmament, and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. So the evening and the morning were the second day. Then look down at verses 14 and 15. Then God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens, to give light on the earth, and it was so. God simply spoke, and it was done. Now hold that place in Genesis 1, and notice the second verse in Psalm 19. Verse 2, day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. This is how the heavens declare the glory of God. The glory of God is declared and proclaimed by the heavens constantly. It's a message that is ongoing. It never stops. Go back to Genesis chapter 1 again and look at verses 16 and 17. Then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. We usually focus on the greater light and the lesser light, the sun and the moon, but the end of verse 16 just blows my mind. It's like saying, oh, and by the way, God God made the stars also. It's almost parenthetical. It's no big deal to God. God made the stars also, the the billions and billions and billions of stars that God knows each one by name, and it just says, oh, and God made the stars also. But the point David is making in Psalm 19 is that the message of God's glory is proclaimed constantly, not only both day and night, but day after day after day, and night after night after night. Genesis 8 and verse 22 says, While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. David continues in our text, Psalm 19 verses 3 and 4, There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tabernacle for the sun. The heavens declare the glory of God in every nation of the earth. There are no language barriers. The message is revealed to every nation under heaven regardless of their languages. No one should ever miss this declaration of the glory of God. Again, Romans 1 and verse 20, there without excuse. Later on in that letter to the Romans, Paul quotes from Psalm 19 and verse 4, relating that verse to how the gospel had been preached throughout all the the world. Romans 10 and verse 18, he said, But I say, have they not heard? Yes, indeed, their sound has gone out to all the earth and their words to the end of the world. But At the end of verse 4 of our text, Psalm 19, David says, In them he has set a tabernacle for the sun. The word translated tabernacle means a tent or a home, a dwelling or a habitation. Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes 1 and verse 5, The sun also rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rose. We watch the sun as it comes up, goes down in the west. The next morning it comes up again in the east, and it goes down in the west. Every day is like that. In verse 5 of our text, he says, Which is like a bridegroom coming out of a chamber and rejoices like a strong man to run its race. David is describing something beautiful, something magnificent. Some of the most beautiful things that we see on this earth come from the sunrise and the sunset. How many pictures are made from the rising of the sun and the going down of the sun? Such beautiful things. Often the Bible talks about How beautiful a bride is to her husband or the the bridegroom is to his his bride. That's what David is trying to get across to us. The beauties of it. In verse 6 he says, It's rising is from one end of heaven and its circuit to the other end. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. Again, it emphasizes the fact that the glory of God is seen all over the world. No one can miss it, it's always there. It's an ongoing message, the glory and the magnificence of God. This could not have happened just by accident or by chance. David says in Psalm 14 verse 1 and Psalm 53 in verse 1, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. But second in our text in verses 7 through 10, We find that the glory of God is revealed by His Word. Verse 7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Do we understand how important and how valuable the Word of God is? It's always been that way, it always will be that way. After God gave his law to, Israel, to the Israelites through Moses, Moses said in Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 through 9, And these words which I commend you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates." It's obvious that God wants His people to know and to meditate upon His word. Moses was a great leader of the Israelites out of bondage, leading them through the wilderness for 40 years. Can you imagine being selected as the one who would replace Moses? In Joshua chapter 1, God told Joshua that Moses was dead and that Joshua would be the one who would lead them to the promised land. God told Joshua to be strong and courageous, to observe all of the law that was given to Moses, to not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, so that he would prosper wherever he went. And then in Joshua 1 and verse 8, he said, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. We do not need a summary of God's word. We don't need an, uh, an abridged portion of God's word. We need it all. Partial truth is not The truth. Job said in Job 23 and verse 12, I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. How important is the word of God to us? Again whole Psalm 19 but turn to Psalm 119. Psalm 119, I want to notice a few verses out of that chapter at this time. Psalm 119, verse 72. David says, The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of coins of gold and silver. In verse 105, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Verse 127, Therefore I love your commandments more than gold, yes, than fine gold. And then 130, 130, The entrance of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. We see how important the word of God was to David. But in this middle section of Psalm 19, David gives us several synonyms that describe to us the word of God. In verse 7, he says, The law of the Lord is perfect. God's law is perfect. David said in Psalm 18 in verse 30, "As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in him." One of the ways in which it is perfect is in converting the soul. David put it this way in Psalm 23 in verse 3, "He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness" For his name's sake. David's soul needed to be restored. And ours do too. Because we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3 and verse 23. Peter says in Acts 3 and verse 19. Repent therefore and be converted. That your sins may be blotted out. God's law is able to convert us. In Psalm 119 and verse 9, David asks a question and then gives a short answer. He asks, how can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. The only way that we can know how to cleanse our souls is through the word of God. James 1 and verse 21 says, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. God's word is able to save us. No other word can. Romans 1 and verse 16 Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. What is God's power to save? Paul says it is the gospel. In 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 2, Paul said, It is the gospel by which we are saved. In Ephesians 1 and verse 13, Paul refers to the gospel as the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When he wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, he said in verses 15 through 17, From childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. What could be more perfect than that? The law of the Lord is perfect Converting the soul. Secondly, in Psalm 19, verse 7, he says, The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. That word sure means to be certain, to be enduring, to trust, to believe. Psalm 93, verse 5 says, Your testimonies are very sure. Holiness adorns your house, O Lord, forever. The word very means exceedingly. God's word is exceedingly sure. It's both sure and steadfast. Hebrews 6 verses 18 and 19 we're told that it's impossible for God to lie. The writer goes on to say this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, in which enters the presence behind the veil. God's word is reliable. It brings wisdom to every person who is willing to be taught. In Matthew 11, verse 25, Jesus prayed, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent, and have revealed them to babes. Again, as we've already noted, David said in Psalm 119, verse 130, the entrance of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. You don't have to be super intelligent to understand God's word. You don't have to be truly smart to understand how, how God says we can be saved. In 2 Timothy 3 and verse 15, as we noted, Paul says, the Holy Scriptures are able to make us wise for salvation. So God's word is perfect. It is sure. In Psalm 19 verse 8 says thirdly, The statutes of the Lord are right. The word right means upright, or right, or righteous, or just. Moses said in Deuteronomy 4, verses 5 and 6, Surely I have taught you statutes and judgments, just as the Lord God commanded me, that you should act according to them in the land which you go to possess. Therefore be careful to observe them, for this is your wisdom. And your understanding the sight of the peoples who will hear all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. God's way is the right way. It is the only right way. In Psalm 119 verse 80, David says, Let my heart be blameless regarding your statutes, that I may not be ashamed in verse 128 of that chapter, he says, Therefore, all your precepts concerning all things I consider to be right. I hate every false way. And our text gives us a result of God's statutes being right. Psalm 19 and verse 8, the next phrase is, Rejoicing the heart. Have you ever regretted doing the right thing? I doubt that any of, any one of us would say, I, I regretted doing the right thing. Oh, many times we regret doing the wrong thing, but not the right thing. Doing the right thing makes us happy. In Psalm 40 and verse 8, David says, I delight to do your will, O oh my God, and your law was within my heart. And going back to Psalm 119 again, a few verses out of that, verse 14 I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. God's law made him rejoice as much as all the riches that he could think of. Verse 16, I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Verse 24, Your testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. Verse 92, Unless your law had been my delight, I would then have perished in my affliction how often would we have failed if we had not turned to God and His Word. Psalm 119 verse 143 says, Trouble and anguish have overtaken me, yet your commandments are my delights. When we find that the way is rough, things aren't going right, we can find delight in God's Word. After the eunuch Heard the word of God and obeyed it. Acts 8 verse 39 says, He went on his way rejoicing. God's word is perfect, it's sure, it's right. And fourthly in verse 8 of Psalm 19, it says the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. There are no impurities in God's word. David says in Psalm 12 and verse 6, The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver tried in a furnace of fire, purified seven times. God's word has no impurities in it. He tells no lies. It never has to be updated. Proverbs 30 and verse 5 says, Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in Him. Paul tells us in Romans 7 and verse 12, Therefore the law is holy, and the commandment, Holy and just and good. So what does that do for the person who obeys God's commands? When we obey God's commands, we become holy and just and good. Why does that happen? The text tells us in Psalm 19 and verse 8, The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. You see, God's word removes... Darkness, it removes doubt, it removes things that are not good. God's word is what shows us what is right. David wrote in Psalm 13 in verse 3, Consider and hear me, O Lord my God, enlighten my eyes, lest I sleep, the sleep of death. We've already noted Psalm 119 verse 105, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. How do we know what God wants us to do? His word tells us. Proverbs 6 verse 23 says, For the commandment is a lamp, and the law a light. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life. So God's word is perfect. It's sure. It's right. It's pure. And then verse 9 says, The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. Forever. Many Bible scholars say the fear of the Lord is a synonym for the word of the Lord because the word of the Lord cause, causes the hearers to respect God. But That word clean refers to the absence of defilement or imperfection. And we've already noted through several passages how pure and undefiled the word of God is. And it couldn't be anything else because God is holy and just and good. God's word will always be that way. God's word never needs to be updated. 1 Peter 1 and verse 25 says, But the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. Those who fear the Lord, who respect the Lord, will also be clean. That's the effect that God's word has on the obedient. David says in Psalm 34, verses 13 and 14, Keep your tongue from evil, and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The fear of the Lord refers to a wholesome respect and reverence. First Samuel 12 and verse 24 says, Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart, for consider what great things he has done for you. Psalm one fifteen and verse thirteen says He will bless those who fear the Lord, both small and great. Psalm one eleven, verse ten says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments. His praise endures forever. And Psalm one twelve and verse six says, Surely he will never be shaken, the righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. So God's word is perfect, it's sure, it's right, it's pure, it makes us clean, and then verse 9 of Psalm 19 says, The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. In Psalm 119, verse 62, David says, At midnight. I will rise to give thanks to you because of your righteous judgments. Verse 106 of of Psalm 119 says, I have sworn and confirmed that I will keep your righteous commandments. Verses 137 and 138 of that chapter says, Righteous are you, O Lord, and upright are your judgments. Your testimonies which you have commanded are righteous and very faithful. Then. Verse 142 of that chapter. Your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and your law is truth. Then verse 160. says the entirety of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. So how do we feel about God's word? How important are his commands to us? David tells us how he felt in verse 10 of our text. More to be desired are they than gold, yes, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. He didn't stop there. He said in Psalm 119 verse 72, the law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of coins of gold and silver. In Psalm 119 verse 127 he says, therefore I love your commandments more than gold, yes, than find gold. Solomon said in Proverbs 16 and verse 16, how much better to get wisdom than gold, and to get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. You see, there is nothing more valuable than God's word. Psalm 119 verse 103 says, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Solomon says in Proverbs 24, verses 13 and 14, My son, eat honey because it is good, and the honeycomb, which is sweet, to your taste. So shall the knowledge of wisdom be to your soul. If you have found it, there is prospect, and your hope will not be cut off. Since we can see God in nature, since God's will is revealed to us in his word, God's word should be acknowledged by each one of us. Verse 11 of our text says, Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. God warns us of what will happen if we don't acknowledge Him and His word. There's great reward when we obey Him. Psalm 119 verse 11, David says, Your word have I hidden in my heart, that I might not sin against you. God's word doesn't do us any good if we don't obey it. Revelation 22 and verse 14 says, Blessed are those who do His commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life, and may enter through the gates into the city. Only those who obey God's commands have the right to the tree of life. So James says in James 1 and verse 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Hebrews chapter 5 verses 8 and 9, the writer says concerning Jesus, though he were a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. and Having been perfected, he became the author eternal salvation to all those who obey him. I realize that just about every one of us here tonight is a Christian. We've already obeyed the gospel of Christ. We're seeking to obey all of God's commands. It may be that some feel weak tonight. It may be that some feel guilt tonight. And I want to ask for forgiveness. If you have a need, We can help you with that need. We encourage you to come now or we stand it as we say.